We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Sarah, NFL Hall of Famer and three-time Super Bowl champion Michael Irvin. He thinks that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are coming for the Kansas City Chiefs dynasty and that it's about to happen right now after one regular season win. The dynasty is going down after one win. I, <laughs> it is overreaction Monday. We'll get some more of it because, as you can imagine, there was no shortage of national reaction uh, we'll share why ESPN Stephen A. Smith apparently thinks that we all have amnesia and Shannon Sharp confirmed something that we've always been suspicious of. All right. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. It is Tuesday, October 24th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. All right. So during his Monday Press conference, John Harbaugh provided an update on rookie running back Keaton Mitchell. We all remember he left the game with a hamstring injury, and Harbaugh continues to set a tone that Lamar Jackson also set on Sunday now that it's time for Cardinals week. Plus, free agent defensive lineman Nadama Kasu, he broke some news about recent conversations he's had with the Ravens. We're going to get into that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have all of that and more coming up. Thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. Bobby, I know that you have been uh, checking out the television airwaves. What's being said? This is what we typically do on a Monday. Sunday, we give our instant reaction. We've got player and coaches reaction. We do all that. Monday, we like to turn to see what the media is saying about this team. So I know you've been on ESPN. You've been on Fox. Tell me, what have you found so far? Let's begin with two things, one of which is housekeeping, one of which is sort of a response to some some of those out there that are like, why do you entertain the, the national media? One, housekeeping. We're coming up and closing in on a huge milestone, 10,000 subscriptions. Would be awesome if you've been enjoying the content to click that subscribe button and help us get... Uh, an inch, an inch closer to uh, where we're at, and in, in one of our first goals. Two is look. Even though some of this stuff is, I know, frustrating for you to consume, and some of it is is garbage content. We've used that word with the whole like 
Are Ravens getting their money's worth from Lamar? More on that in just a second in terms of why that's dead. ESPN has since retired it. It's deceased, that debate talk. So we'll have that in just a second. But but Sarah, you and you responded to a, a, a follower of yours on Twitter about this. We, we like to challenge this type of content. And whether we like it or not, you know, the non-traditional media space is growing Still, studio programming at the national level still has a major pulse, major audience, and major influence on it within sports media. So it's up to us to not only challenge it, but build content around it and have some fun with it. So that's sort of the goal of every single Monday when it comes to reacting to, oftentimes, what's an overreaction. And we'll begin with Michael Irvin, former Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys. He had a lot to say on Undisputed about what he watched uh, unfold on Sunday inside the bank. Of course, the Ravens route just an absolute dismantle of of the Detroit Lions. 38-6 to was the final. Here's Michael Irvin on what he watched. He matured into the golden quarterback mm. that is going to challenge that dynasty they have in Kansas City right now. This Agreed. is what I saw. I'm telling you right now, and I'll tell you why I say this. We talked about this last week when we when I said Lamar looks like Patrick Mahomes sitting in the pocket and dispersing that ball. Key, I'll address what you said. Yeah, these losses hanging over his head. I gave you a demarcation. 50th win to turn him into golden. But those games you're talking about, he's still discerning and deciphering that whole offense. And remember now, remember, even in his discernment and deciphering stage, he still delivered passes. They were just dropping balls. Or we wouldn't have been in this situation. They would have won those games too. Now they've come to maturity. Man, I'm watching this game and I'm saying, oh my God, this is scary. I ain't finished. Let me finish telling you why it's scary. Because what Kansas City has Now, Baltimore has, let me tell you why it's more dangerous in the hands of Baltimore than it has ever been in the hands of Kansas City. In this game, in this game, and you saw it yesterday, we just finished talking about the game. We always talk, is it speed to power or power to speed? I always personally go power to speed. I'll take power over speed any day because power in this game wins over speed. That's what we talked about with Philly and Miami. Mm -hmm. Power with speed. See, Kansas City has been finessing speed and and, and trying to find a physical power running game. Baltimore has always been that. Mm -hmm. And now you're adding what Kansas City have in the passing game to a power running game. This is why they will contend, contest, and be right there in Kansas City. If you have home field advantage, mm. you're going to see Lamar Jackson at his golden stage right now because he got his golden win yesterday, and he looks golden. Gold I'm gold. telling you. <laughs> so, the golden win, by the way, is his 50th golden, as a career golden, starter. I love it. <laughs> yeah, he's, the entertainment value from from Michael is, is second to none. He's, he's very goofy and, and very articulate, as you can tell. Obviously, we couldn't provide the video there just from a copyright standpoint, but I thought the audio was interesting in the sense that, one, yeah, Lamar did reach that another big milestone, Sarah. He's his 50th career win as a starter in this league, which is noteworthy being that he's only been around for this is his sixth NFL season. But look, I think we both agree just based on what we discussed prior to going on. We think that this is 
premature. He, he loved the word maturity and, and mature and, and the way that he pronounces that. We think it's a premature conversation in terms of challenging the dynasty that is Kansas City. I mean, can they be a challenge for them? To, will they have to potentially go through them if the Ravens run the table in terms of the AFC this year and seeding-wise? Maybe. But bottom line is the Chiefs have proven year in and year out that you got to go through them in order to get to where you want to go. And after one regular season win against, yes, a Detroit team that came in as one of the NFC's best through six weeks, uh, it's a good step. But I'm not sure uh, Michael is, uh, you know, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction there. How about you? <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I love that Lord Lamar is headed into his golden era. This is, you know, I love that. And to his point, at least in the regular season, I mean, the most wins by a QB in their first NFL, first 50 NFL starts. Patrick Marones had 40 wins in the first 50. Lamar had 38. Most wins by a QB age 25 or younger. Lamar Jackson has the most in NFL history, 45. Mm. Best record by an active starting quarterback since week 11 of 2008, which is when Lamar became a starter. Lamar is number two right behind Mahomes. So, I mean, Lamar, I have no problem comparing Lamar to Mahomes, but what I do, what is, this is the exact opposite reaction from what Lamar had yesterday, which is like, I mean, I'm all right with winning, but it's just one regular season, you know, win. And like Lamar right now has like the Mamba mentality, right? It's like, I just remember Kobe Bryant to up to an O in, in whichever many playoffs he had been in the championship. And, uh, and he's like, what, we're only two and O is the job finished is the job finished. Like uh, to me, it's just like, we go from the Ravens and this wasn't, you know, Michael Irvin saying this, but we've got people in the media saying, Oh, this is the same as, as Greg Roman. Uh, it's the same old Ravens. Da 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 da. Like, can Lamar do this? Can Lamar do that? And then he puts together a phenomenal game, and all of a sudden he's challenging the, the Chiefs dynasty. So I want to celebrate it. I want to have fun with it, but I also want to try a little bit to keep it within perspective and take this one game at a time. And if you're going to challenge a whole dynasty, you got to take that one postseason at a time, and we'll see. we, we got to have one Super Bowl first before we start talking about challenging a dynasty, which I believe the Chiefs have, or Mahomes has two, uh, and has been to the Super Bowl, I think, three times, something, something like that. So we're far from that, but it's a welcomed switch in the narrative from everything so negative to, you know, something more positive. These are those swings we we talk about, right, from a week-to-week standpoint, just in terms yeah. of con ton content production from a national reaction standpoint. Just very severe swings all over the map. <laughs> and so one of those guys that you just sort of alluded to was a former Raven, former Super Bowl-winning Raven, one of Kadri Ismael's former teammates. We know I had him on the my channel on Monday for a little live stream the day after to, to discuss a number of things. That's Shannon Sharp, and we know that in recent weeks he has been uh, he's drawn the ire a little bit of of the Ravens flock with some of his takes we all remember he and Stephen A going back and forth the day after the Steelers loss we'll get to that in just a second here he is on the grading that he uses to measure and evaluate Lamar Jackson have to judge Lamar just like we would Aaron Rodgers just like we would a Patrick Mahomes because that's the level of greatness that he's shown he is an MVP he won a unanimous MVP in the history of the NFL, only two men can only say that. 
He and Tom Brady. So I'm not going to judge him like I judge a Josh Allen. I'm not going to judge him like I judge a Justin Herbert because he's on the level and shown that he should be graded harsher. So here's where I'm at with this. I know you tweeted at me. I think we, we might have a slight disagreement here, but let's just flesh it out right now. While he hasn't been consistent when it comes to grading Lamar Jackson, as we've seen in recent weeks, that right there, that little 25-second clip, to me actually came across as complimentary. If you're going to put Lamar in a category with Super Bowl champion pedigree kind of guys as a former MVP, I, he has not been consistent with that. Don't get me wrong, right? That's not been the grading system that we, I don't feel like he's used that with him week in and week out. But I do think that that clip right there alone, standing alone, not putting it next to some of his other reactions from the last few weeks, actually is extremely comp is flattering. For, uh, for Lamar. I think that's what he's trying to do, but to me, that's just backpedaling because it's not what he's done. I, in fact, somebody else, uh, who was it? I think it was Ramey pulled out a screen grab from when Shannon Sharp was still on, on Undisputed. And it was one game where the Ravens were going up against the Bills and he was asked, you know, who, who do you who would you take? Who would you take? And then he was like, I'll take Josh Allen, but it's like a 51 to 49. I wouldn't be disappointed if I had Lamar. And then so today, all of a sudden, he's like, I grade Lamar more harshly because I thought I thought you would take I thought you would take Allen over Lamar. So to me, to me, that's why it signals that it might be a little bit of a backtrack and or a backpedal, which, again, uh, Bobby, I watched that whole segment. We're going to get to Stephen A in just a minute. <laughs> the whole segment, they like barely in one breath, like they acknowledged Lamar tore the Lions apart, but they did exactly what. Um, a fan had come into our show on Sunday saying that they're going to somehow take this away from Lamar. Stephen A. nonstop talked about, yes, it was nice for Lamar. Yes, he he diced them up, but still, how could the Lions not even show up? And then, and then all Shannon Sharp did three times in a row, every time they came back to him, they came around in circles the third time, every time. And I think it's because he was on Twitter last night defending himself for being harsh against Lamar. Um, that's him trying to give a complimentary way of saying it, but he never said it like that. Instead, he said, no, he's not living up to the, to the contract. Instead, he said all of that. He could have said anytime he was, he was criticizing Lamar very harshly, he could have said, and the reason why I'm saying this, Lamar is great, but he's, he's better than everybody. Like he could have said it in that way, but he never did. So suddenly he now is. So to me, it was a little bit of a backpedal and I have gotten the feeling, or I've seen a lot of Ravens fans comment in our shows or on Twitter being like, you know, Shannon Sharp is harsh against Lamar. Why is he against, why is he, is he like, it feels like he's harsher against Lamar. I can never confirm that because I don't listen to what he says about all 32 quarterbacks, but he did just confirm it there. He is saying he confirmed, he, he judges Lamar more harshly. Now, the reasoning, this is this is the first time I've heard him give that reasoning. Maybe he has before. I don't watch every single show. But, I mean, like I said, he's before said I'd take Josh Allen over Lamar and said they were close. So I don't know why you wouldn't judge them, you know, you know, basically around the same. Lamar is, a, is an MVP. I get that. Uh, so there's that. But, I mean, these guys are going neck and neck every single year. So does, does Lamar deserve that much more harsh of criticism? I don't think so. But. That's how he does it, and now we know, and now it's confirmed. What's ironic about the Shannon take is that one of the things he harped on in that segment that you just referenced is 
this need for consistency, this demand for consistency from Lamar. My man, you're not even preaching consistency yourself. You've been all over the map. So again, while I while I can appreciate that 25-second clip in the sense that it's it's complimentary and flattering, to your point, he has been all over the map, backtracking, backpedaling, you name it. And so, yes, you can call out both. You know, speaking of of backtracking or perhaps just being clueless or maybe having a short memory. Stephen A. Smith, Sarah, to your point, you used the word. Does he think that we all have amnesia based on the, the debate conversation that was put forth on first take the day after the Steelers? Are, are the Ravens getting their money's worth from Lamar? Do you want to set this clip up any, any more than that? Now you got it. Everybody's heard it. Go ahead. Uh, by the way, Lamar Jackson, are we getting our money's worth right now? No question. No yeah. question, right? That was something that I always said. They're well, getting their money for it. Can yeah, we perfect. officially retire that question, yes. Rex Ryan? What's yes, the we next? should. October 23rd, we're going to retire Let's, the question. Please do. And I'm going to even say, because when we were... When retire we were, the question, is Lamar Jackson worth the money? Okay. Because I think he is. Because in all fairness, when we when we said it, he was coming off a game where they had eight drops, and three of those drops were touchdowns. This team could very easily be 6-0, and oh, all right? Or undefeated right now, the Ravens. Lamar Jackson and has to make sure because we all know he's worth his money because he's box over. You walk through the turnstiles to see him. So I don't know what this debate was about whether or not he's worth his money. Of course he's worth his money. <laughs> you don't know what the debate was, bro? You're the executive producer of, of, of First Take. We all know that you're a panelist and you're the host and you're the guy, but you're the executive producer. Go check the, like, the stage notes at the end of the show. That dude's the executive producer. He knows exactly what it is. <laughs> and he'll play a semantics game pretending like he, that wasn't what the debate was, but it absolutely was. Here's the problem, Bobby. I, listen, if you're on TV long enough or you do a podcast like us long enough, it's inevitable that you're going to be wrong and you're going to be wrong a lot. You and I were wrong. We, we picked the wrong team to win the game. But well, what do we do? We, I ca we came on here and said the first thing we led with is we were wrong. And then I said, cook us, cook us like we deserve it. Please cook us. Then let's take Ryan Clark, for example. Prior to Sunday's game, he was on an ESPN show, and they said, uh, you know, who do you trust more, Jared Goff or Lamar Jackson? And Ryan Clark chose Jared Goff. And so he got called out on Twitter. You know, somebody, uh, ZJ, says, you went on national television this week and said you trusted Goff more than Lamar. Ryan Clark, quote, retweets that, doesn't hide from it, and says, hey, when you're wrong, you're wrong. I don't know what that... <laughs> oh, when you're wrong, you're wrong, fam. Lamar showed stuff today I hadn't seen all year under Munkin. So I guess this is just kind of the point. Like, we're all going to be wrong. You're on, you're on TV long enough. You give predictions long enough. You're going to be wrong, and you're going to be wrong often. And so why not just own up to it rather than like pretend that you didn't say it or it was a different question or that we all have amnesia. So like, I feel like neither Shannon or, or Stephen A really, all I did was get go on and they like, yeah, Lamar did good, but then went into their own little things like, oh yeah, he is box office. Like you never, at, you know, said he wasn't or something like that. So I guess that's more the thing is it's just like own up to it. We all have to own up to what we say wrong on television or podcasts. Yeah, and I think you know I might be in the minority here, but having watched that entire conversation, having built some content around it before the Lions game, kind of leading into the weekend, I didn't think it was that crazy of a take from from Ryan. I thought it was actually well said in the sense that it's it's not like he doesn't trust Lamar and 
and Jared, like, he, he didn't look at it from a singular standpoint. What his point was is that the playmaking ability through six weeks, entering week seven, around Jared Goff was what he trusted more. There was more continuity there around Jared entering week seven. And we all know that around Lamar, especially in the Steelers game, that hasn't been the case. And he, he, he combined that with the new scheme and the inconsistency and the inability to like stack four quarters through again, through six weeks, not counting this weekend was what led him. And who knows, maybe he got the short end of the stick in terms of the debate. We all know, right. From a (laughs) producing standpoint, sometimes you have to go on the other side. You got to go back and forth, blah, blah, blah. The spirit of debate. Maybe that was the case, but I actually thought he did a good job at articulating it. What does he do a better job of? What you said, owning up to it, having fun on Twitter, and ultimately holding himself accountable. Now, one of the things he mentioned there was he saw things from Munkin and Lamar that he hadn't seen before so far in this ongoing developmental process within this new installation of the offense. Dan Orlovsky mentioned a few of those things. Watching that yesterday makes me so giddy about Baltimore. That's one of the best passing games I've ever seen Lamar have. And I would say this, like, this is a, a now top five passing offense wow. in the NFL. The Baltimore Ravens. Three things that I absolutely love. The use of Zay Flowers in motion. You start him inside, you motion him outside. Communication by Detroit. Now what that does is it forces the defensive back to play outside of now number two, Rashad Bateman, who's an inbreaker. This is easy. Multiple times yesterday, Oof. the use of Zay Flowers in motion was huge. The second thing, the tempo change. Watch how quickly it gets to the line of scrimmage. Now, this is huge. Right when Lamar puts his hand underneath the center, we're snapping the football. Detroit's not even set, and then it's a little ball flick. That's how Mark Andrews gets so wide open because Mm. that's new under Todd Monken. The change of tempo, the third thing. Play action out of 12 personnel. I love it. Mark Andrews and Patrick Ricard in the uh, the game. We have a post, a crosser, and a dig. Number one, the post. Okay, it's not there. Number two, the crosser. Okay, it's not there. Number three, Lamar, get to it. And then, oh my gosh, that throw over that linebacker. So good. We saw that so many times yesterday. Lamar Jackson in play action yesterday was unbelievable. And the, the layered throws, that's like... Dan, I have a question for yeah. you too. Was this the most that... Todd Munkin mixed it up, though. It 100%. seemed like more movement in the backfield for Lamar Jackson, getting him off the spot. But also the route concepts in the dropback game seemed different. How different was it from what we've seen this year? Totally. The, the motion use has gone up. Like they're, they're trying to you know, manipulate the defense with that. The play action and like changing the launch points. And you guys know this better. Like moving Lamar from behind the center to behind the guard is a big deal mm-hmm. because it, the, the play action concept that it, it impacts, it also changes his vision. And then the way that they're using certain people in, in the play action game with a Zay Flowers or a Mark Andrews, it's in the change of tempo. Right now, the Todd Monken offense in Baltimore, I love. One of the plays specifically that, that Kadri and I studied during our live stream on Monday was uh, the opening drive touchdown on fourth down where mm-hmm. you had uh, Gus in the backfield. Lamar faked it to him. Pat Ricard was your motion man, big body, right? And then Ronnie Stanley did the rest when Lamar had the keeper on the left-hand side and just kind of waltzed into the end zone. I mean, there is so much happening at the line of scrimmage. There's so much confusion and trickery and things that you have to take into account, uh, especially bodies like Pat Ricard. I mean, if you watch him, Sarah, motion from left to right, he was on the left edge uh, of Ronnie. He gets up and goes the other side. There's at least two or three bodies uh, two or three bodies from um, 
from Detroit that had to account. They had to get off their their wherever they were alignment wise to account for that. It was awesome. And then obviously Lamar does the rest in his sleep. I thought Dan Orlovsky was again excellent. He just does a good job of of it all. I I don't feel like he too crazy overreacts. I think when he was saying this is a top five offense, I think he's saying it it operated like one in, in this game. Ravens are officially as we record this number twelve. Uh, this is before the Monday night game, so they could potentially drop one more spot because uh, who knows what will happen with the 49ers. But but yeah, when you watch that offense yesterday and he gave props to Todd Munkin, which I liked, he kept moving, the, he was moving the pocket, um, you know, not just putting, you know, only making him sit, down, sit back, back there all on his own. But I do think a major, major part of it for both Todd and Lamar was the offensive line. Yeah. Like, and you kind of like touched on it. I mean, Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley on that. We'll get to that. We have him talking about the, him blocking on that fourth and one. But there were just so many times, and we'll do a film study perhaps in, tomorrow, in the next uh, Ravens vault. But like, there were so many times when initially it goes off and it was just like this perfect cocoon for Lamar, <laughs> you know, just like this perfect and safe cocoon. Now, he obviously did some stuff with his feet on his own when he like, like that one play that took 9.8 seconds. That was him also extending it. But just, I feel like the receivers, you can have more big plays downfield with the receivers if the offensive line is giving you time. Lamar can can go through his progressions if the offensive line is giving him time. Todd Munkin can get into his bag and be a little bit more creative if his offensive line is giving him time. Like I just feel like that was such an important part of that that game yesterday and will be a massive part of if they can really become a top five passing offense going forward. One more nugget from the national scene, and it's Rex Ryan talking about and, and even making a comparison here in terms of Lamar up against one of your favorite all-time players. You just said it. He wasn't available the last two years. Right. All right. That, I mean, he got hurt. That that happens. All right. I'm going to look at this. By the way, he's 16-1 against the NFC team, so that's another nugget we can yeah. say about him. Uh, he's not the same guy he was when he was younger in those playoff games. This guy is a much better passer. Right. And... Yeah. This thing is set up more for his overall skill sets. When he first got in the league in those playoff games, it was all run. And it was using Lamar as an, as, as an athlete. Now he's a complete quarterback, not just a great athlete, one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen at that spot, but also a great passer. Reminds me a little bit of Steve Young when it came back into the fact, remember, he was a great athlete first. Well, he became a great passer. I'm seeing that out of Lamar Jackson. So to me, when he gets in those playoffs, you better be a Patrick Mahomes or you're not sending them home. So again, overwhelming positivity from pretty much the entire national scene with a few exceptions there. But uh, you know, remember too, the 16-1 and record is against NFC opponents. We know that and we know that's been utter dominance for, for Lamar over his career. But the excuse that it's the first time they've seen him is no longer. This is the second and third time through for a lot of these teams. We all remember that the, the 2021 Detroit game with Justin Tucker, right? So that excuse that, man, this is unfamiliar territory game planning against this guy. You can't use that anymore. This is year six for, for number eight. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets... Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section, 
to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and I'll just reiterate, I feel like for years, Louisville fans have been telling us, tweeting to me and putting in comments, you know, Lamar's always been capable of this. They just haven't implemented it into the offense. And they've been screaming that, screaming that, screaming that from the mountaintops. And that is what Todd Munkin was brought here to do. And I think we're finally seeing it come to fruition. Um, so, and I, I yeah, I, it just is like... Uh, but I do agree. He is a complete quarterback. He is a complete quarterback. W- one of the most complete that there is. I mean, people will try to shave off and be like, like I put out stats of Lamar this morning of where he ranks. And I mean, he's like uh, top two for um, completion percentage, top three for quarterback rating, um, uh, top two for uh, yards per pass attempt, by the way, kind of a big deal. I don't put out the passing totals because that's more of a volume statistic. You want to know pass yards per attempt, and he's number two. Then I put in his total yards and his total touchdowns, which I believe is five and six, maybe reversed in that order. And then a couple people respond and put like, well, he's number 13 in, in pass yards total. And I'm like, again, this is a volume stat. If all the Ravens wanted to do was drop back and pass, 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 those total numbers could go up. That's why I do it per pass attempt. Um, but he is so complete. Do not let people shave off the five rushing touchdowns that he has, the 336, uh, 363 rushing yards that he has. All of those yards and touchdowns matter. They count, and it's what makes him a complete quarterback. So, Bobby, do you have anything else to say before I transition to Harbaugh's news from his presser? Just wanted to make sure to fit this in quickly. Shouting out two of our returning patrons, Michelle Spate and Neil Harold. We appreciate you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. If you're interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast to learn more about what we're offering specifically to the small business community, both in Baltimore and beyond. All right, on to the Harbs presser. All right. So first thing I want to say is we've, we mentioned when things were not going right, we could see the tension on Harbaugh's face. It's like, Ooh, this is like week 16, a bunch of injuries piling up kind of face from, from Harbs. 
On Monday, he looked very relaxed, which I like. This is like Harbs is feeling good kind of face. But at the same time, he is and this Ravens team are all on the same page. This is unfinished business. One of the first questions he was asked is, Harbaugh, what does it say about your players when somebody like Lamar doesn't even look like he's very happy coming off of a 38-6 win? And several players kind of uh, echoed that sentiment, and this was what Harbs had to say. Well, it says they, they're right where they should be because uh, how many games have we played so far? Seven? All right, so that means we got, what, 10 more in the regular season? So we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. We got a lot. So he's not thinking about a Chiefs dynasty right now. I can, I can promise you that. Yeah. Um, Bobby, right here, I put up this morning on Twitter, Ravens lead the NFL with 29 sacks, beating... Um, Sorry, <laughs> I tried to fix the <laughs> format on you, my bad. <laughs> uh, that's all good. Uh, so they're beating the second-place team, which is the Bills, by four. Last week, they were both tied at 24. Ravens took a massive leap in the lead. So the sack leaders are, as such, Justin Matabike, and I spelled his A in his name with the emoji with the, that has the tongue sticking out with the money sign on it and the money sign in the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Justin Matabike is leading the team with five and a half. That is that's – your, that's your nose tackle, people. I mean, that's, that's – that's crazy. Jadavian Clowney, three and a half. Patrick Queen, three and a half. Kyle Van Noy already has three, and he just joined the, the Ravens three games ago, and then Kyle Hamilton still has that three. I think he had that three in one game, something crazy like that. So um, love this. Uh, Jameson Hensley got a quote from Justin Matabike uh, after the game Sunday, and Matabike said, Mike McDonald reiterated all the time throughout the week that if you startle Jared Goff early, he starts to get panicky, and that's exactly what happened. Bobby, I know at one point you put out a tweet during the game that Jer Jared Goff was seeing ghosts because as soon as he saw people coming, he was like, oh, intentional grounding. I'm getting rid of this thing. Yeah. He definitely got panicky there. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect segue just to, you know, Harb's evaluating all this, this committee approach, right, from a pass rushing standpoint, what he's seen so far through seven weeks. Right. All good questions. Kyle Van Noy, not surprised. Seen it for so many years, impressed. You know, you get you'd be a little older and they start saying you can't do it anymore. And Kyle does take that personally, by the way. You know, and that's probably, probably part of what fuels him. Uh, the same thing with uh, J.D. Clowney. You know, to see those guys do that is really cool. But then you've got the young guys who, you know, people are questioning whether they, are, you know, can play, you know, and they've got something to prove. So we always, I always appreciate players and coaches that feel like they have something to prove. Uh, and it all goes hand in hand in terms of the sacks. I mean, you know, coverage is part of that. Uh, Opportunity is part of that. You know, um, sometimes, you know, offense helps. Offense gets the lead, forces them to throw the ball more, and you get more opportunities. All those things kind of go together. So I just love that he, like, pointed out, he's like, I like to have players that have something to prove. When he said Kyle Van Noy, that it, like, eats at him, that he was sitting on the free agent market for so long, or that, you know, the young guys who are improving, the fact that they want to prove themselves, he's like, that's always good. But when he said that about Kyle Van Noy, I was like, yeah, no kidding, because I saw Kyle Van Noy on Twitter. You guys may have seen it. He put up, it was really ball so hard university today. This is after the game, and it showed him kind of celebrating after a sack. Twitter follower responds, I can't believe you were a free agent, Kyle Vanoy. I can't believe it either. So show something, show something, doesn't it? Question mark, question mark. I'm here now and I love it. It worked out. I love uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. They all got something to prove. Uh, you know, 
And you just love it motivated people. You just love it. Last thing from Harbs. I know that this is a question on everybody's minds. Keaton Mitchell, he was the only player to leave the game uh, and not return with an injury, that hamstring. Here's an update on him from John Harbaugh. Right. Uh, yes, he was, and it's not a severe hamstring. It'll be a, it'll be week to week. You know, could outside chance for this week, uh, more possible for next week. Okay. Yeah, because that one that we referenced, the play with him and Zay, was awfully trickery and, and, and creative there for Munkin. So it's, it's almost like a small little glimpse, a little little tease of what could be coming if he's able to stay healthy and on the field for them in the backfield. All right, a couple motivational pieces before we move on to quick hits. One came from, of course, Ronnie Stanley, who knew that his former teammate that he lined up with and was a part of that magical run from an offensive lineman performance standpoint in uh, 2019 was in the building on Sunday, right? Because Terrell Suggs was inducted into the Ravens ring of honor. We're talking about Marshall Yonda and that play that I referenced earlier on with Lamar waltzing into the end zone. That doesn't happen without Ronnie having something to say about moving a body. Ronnie, take me through that touchdown block. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, I just knew Lamar was behind me, and uh, you know, I know uh, my boy Marshall Yonda was here, and I was saying to myself, well, "What would Marshall do in this situation?" So, I try to channel my inner Marshall Yonda on that. Fourth and one, a fake, Jackson, room, first down, touchdown. First of all, Ronnie almost drilled somebody on the sideline there. Hopefully the cameraman or whoever that was is okay. But Ronnie just said, yeah, you're you're coming with me. All right, let's go. Play to the whistle. Sorry, photographer, but play to the whistle. I love it. Watch yourself if you're on the sideline there. And right along those lines of motivation and uh, fiery nature and whatnot, Roquan Smith had this to say, and I'll even couple it with the pregame combined with the post game. So this was Wednesday, the first clip, and then Sunday is post game, the second clip, talking about the Detroit Lions. Hey, I just think about it. Sunday, you know, Sunday we'll we'll be we'll be ready. So we'll be ready to welcome those guys here. Um, they playing good ball, but hey, you know, I'm from the show me business, so gotta show me. Yeah, I normally don't share that information, but I'll give you a little sneak peek since you uh, asked today, uh, and I'm feeling good, you know. But no, it was more so like. I was just telling those guys, you know, it's our house at the end of the day. You know, they say it was lions. They were coming to the bank, you know. It wasn't a den in a nutshell. And then, you know, I talked to team security and um, everyone. I told them, lock the doors, you know, and we'll decide when we want to let them out. And I think we did it accordingly. So, yeah, you and I are, oh. you and I are very, very, we, we were upset that we didn't have a chance to speak with him today because that's just how the calendar worked out. We did just get confirmation that Roquan will be coming back for our weekly Inside the Vault episode a week from Monday. So a week from yesterday, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, that's after the Cardinals game, which is set for Monday the 30th. So, oh man, you and I were both like, oh, well, oh man, it would have been perfect to talk to him after this, but we all know he can get up for any game. So I'm sure he'll be box office a week from now. Yeah, he had a photo shoot uh, after this game, so we couldn't get him. But we'll definitely, we'll definitely get him. He's always got something good to say. Let's move on to quick hits. This one kind of caught me by surprise. Uh, surprise. So Nadamnika Sue uh, was doing an interview. Was this in, in the UK, Bobby? Is this? 
Yeah, Sky Sports, which is uh, sort of their their big network out there over the pond. He's he's doing some uh, some contributing work with them. And remember, he joined the Eagles very late for a Super Bowl run last year. So right. uh, you get the sense that he's been around the league. The guy was drafted second overall in 2010. So you know, much like Jadavian Clowney decides to sort of make business decisions in terms of training camp participations. Yeah, like Nadama. Nadama Katsu is not in any rush whatsoever to join a team, but as you'll hear in a second here, it's coming up. Got a couple more weeks, so we'll just wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> some, break, some breaking news last week. It was the Ravens that spoke to me. Oh, so okay. Thank they, you. They uh, seem to be interested. They played great today. Oh, so. you like yeah. that? I like their defense. So you never know. Uh, we'll see uh, when we get back to the States. Huddle up with the wife and family and uh, get settled and uh, keep training. So you know that stat I gave about 11 different Ravens having a sack? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Soon going to become 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Soon going to become 12. Imagine Sue in oh, that, oh on that goodness. D-line. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But that's what it's about for you, isn't it? You, you've mentioned that a few times. It's got to be a team in the mix. It's got to be a team that's in the mix, and you want to play with great athletes. Yeah. yeah. How have I known? Like, you have Rokon... Uh, Excuse Smith. me, Smith. Smith, yeah. and all these great players. And you got an amazing quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Mm. Like, you never know. We'll see. We'll see how, <laughs> how the next two weeks go. All right, so he turns 37 in January, is a free agent right now. So this is not a conversation surrounding the deadline in a week. It's more so, hey, the, the and this could be a PR thing, right? I think that was kind of Kadri's first reaction. Like, oh, you're, you're trying to generate some interest from around the league. You know, we don't know how serious the Ravens checked in on him uh, in terms of, you know, the the, the levels to, to their interest. Uh, but at the very least, you, you know that they're – looking and and they're around there and if they can beef up their interior defensive line then uh maybe he's one of their options i'm not against it i am not against it uh the more you can put a rotation a defensive line the more you keep these guys fresh so you know if they're if they're serious it's not like he's going to cost a lot you know you don't have to pay him for a whole season i don't see why not and these guys understand, too, when you're on the other side of 30, as Kyle and Jadavian are proving right now, and as others have in the past, Calais and Justin Houston alike, it's, it can be fun. It can be a good experience to uh, wind down your career in Baltimore and chase a title. How about this? Aaron Schatz, statistics provided. Uh, best Ravens games by DVOA ever. He's got the list. And DVOA is the defense adjusted value over average. Yesterday's win over Detroit is currently number one, although opponent adjustments will change throughout the season. But just for the audio only, folks, this is up there with games like in the early 2000s. And as we all know, yes, defense has been a staple forever. But the fact that this is atop a list where you see 2000, 2004, a couple 2000 seasons, like, yeah, this is a legitimate defensive collective performance that we're seeing stacked uh, week in and week out. But uh, on Sunday against Detroit, it was it was up there with one of the best. And by this metric, the best since 1996. I like it that it's next to a 2019 game. Let's keep that energy coming. Right? It's like when you see the – you don't even look at the statistics. When you see 19 and 2000, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, so we're putting it in that category? Yeah, it's in that category. Elsewhere. 
Gus Edwards deserves a little bit of love. We talked about the 80-yard run that he had, which was just a two-yard little dump for Lamar, the easiest one that he'll ever make in his career, perhaps, and Gus does the rest. And as he was doing the rest, he was chugging along. 20.23 miles per hour is a career high for him in terms of uh, speed on that run. And it's funny, watching him, I'm like, dang, he, he did put it into a, an extra gear, Sarah, on that one. He looked pretty spry. He sure did. Uh, after the game, Odell Beckham Jr., he's staying patient. I love him. I love him. Man, I just keep thinking about it. Everybody thought that he would be upset if he wasn't like leading with all the receptions and all that. Not at all. He, he tweets after the game, understand the mission. We on the way. So he's going to, you watch, he's going to have a big game. It's, it's coming. It is coming. Uh, this one, I really like this one from um, Kyle Hamilton. So we all know that Geno Smith got his fourth interception of the season uh, against the Lions. He now is in sole possession of first place in the league in terms of interceptions. Again, the Monday night game still has to be played out and finished. Uh, but he's currently got the lead. And what I love is Kyle Hamilton posted on Instagram a photo of, of, of a basketball game and one guy dunking, and I mean looking sensational as he's dunking, and then his teammate in the back just jumping up with so much joy and glee and animation. And then uh, it's got the words <laughs> over the, the, the dunker, my friends achieving their goals, and then the words over the one who's cheering his teammate on. He says... Me hype because there ain't a hating bone in my body. So I love that Hamilton is just sees himself as this teammate that is just cheering him on with glee and joy. That's the energy that's going on in this Ravens locker room right now. All right. And finally, I just really like the photo from the left. It was put up from uh, our friend of the show, Lacey DaCosta. We still got to get her on here. Uh, we keep our schedules haven't uh, matched up just yet. But I love the photo on the left because uh, as a person that was not in the stadium to just kind of get the feel, you've got Suggs looking up at the stadium from the field and you can see that on the big, you know, video screens, the Jumbotron and then all around him are just all the fans looking at him and he's looking at, at out at them. It just feels like such a, uh, I don't know what the word is, like this just like majestic moment, like how many how many times do people have this in their lifetime? Uh, not many. And so I'm just glad that he got to, he just got to sit there. It just reminds me of um, uh, Jerry Maguire, you know, when Cuba Gooding Jr. like gets up and after he's injured, he's like, shh, shh just, just let me quit talking to me about my injury. Just let me soak this in. They're all cheering for me. And, you know, you just get to soak it in. So I'm glad that Terrell Suggs got that moment. Well-deserved ring of honor induction. Yeah, and we should have noted this in the post game, but uh, several of his peers, his honorees that are already in the ring, were on hand for his induction. Lenny Moore, Michael McCrary, Jonathan Ogden, Matt Stover, Jamal Lewis, Todd Heap, uh, Ray Lewis, as you see there in this in on the screen, Brian Billick, Haloti Nada, and the aforementioned Marshall Yonda. And just a little nugget from my interview with with Todd during the pregame, he and his. Uh, his son was there. He had a couple sons, I think, but one of them was hanging out in his getaway car during our, our sort of uh, during our interview because it was the last thing he did before he left the uh, premises of the pregame show. And he's like, "I was, hey, what are, what are your boys up to over there? Oh, they're just hanging out with Marshall Yonda's son." 
I was yeah. that's kind of cool. Like the next generation, Todd's son and Marshall's son are hanging out. I don't know if there's like an age difference or whatever, but it is cool to see like that next generation of uh, of Ravens, you know, um, family. And and you wonder if they have any kind of idea. They, I'm sure they will one day of what their fathers did in this town because uh, I know a lot of people in this town respect those guys like no other. Marshall and and Todd cut from a similar cloth, you know, so. Well, I hope you said hello to Todd for me. That's one of my favorites, and, and we go back. So uh, I hope he's doing well. What I did do was set up set us up for the future. We, we exchanged numbers, and, and we're texting a little bit afterwards. So hopefully we can get him on for more of sort of a traditional-style interview uh, moving forward. So with that, this is your Tuesday morning vault in the books. We will have plenty more coming up this week, including turning the page to the Arizona Cardinals. That is the week eight matchup for the Ravens. They'll hit the road and head out West for that coming up on Sunday. It's a 425 kickoff. So plenty, plenty still coming on deck this week. Thanks so much for dropping by again. If you haven't already done so, and you've been enjoying the content, please help us reach that 10,000 subscriber milestone, a big threshold for us and something that we're trying to do in under a year of creating on YouTube. So for my co-host, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Tuesday morning vault edition here inside the vault. We'll talk to you guys soon.